Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Two seconds. He'll get a shot off on the way. Got it. Finds Ward and there's his game winner. On the move, on the way. Tucker will score. Sean Tucker with a touchdown. Gillen. Got it. Derek, you win. Are you serious? Five down. One to go. Syracuse is playing for the national title. It's too long, and Syracuse is your national champion. Who's out? What's up, Syracuse fans? It's Mike McAllister from AllSyracuse.com, part of the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network with episode 71 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast presented by Bet Online and Hoffman Sausage Company. We have major news from Syracuse Athletics, specifically Syracuse men's basketball. And if any of you have not heard this news, you've been living under a rock and I'm not sure where you've been, but Jim Beheim has retired as Syracuse uh, head coach after 47 seasons, legendary seasons. And Adrian Autry is taking over as the new head coach as the, um, I believe the eighth or ninth head coach in Syracuse men's basketball history, uh, brand new era of Syracuse basketball. So we have, uh, Sammy, Josh, and Emily here with us again to get reactions on all of that major news. Bet online remains your number one source for all sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. We're going to start with you, Emily. When you first heard that it was official, Jim Beheim was retiring, your reaction to that news? Yeah, so I was uh, sitting in my car waiting to go cover a mock trial when I got the news that the man that shaped my love of basketball was done. It was over. And, you know, I couldn't help but get a little emotional because I've lived here my whole life. And basketball in Syracuse, that's when you tell somebody who's not from here, Syracuse, the first thing they think is basketball. You know, that that's what this city is known for. And aside from the snow, but it's it's. It's almost like I'm I'm happy that he's finally hanging it up, you know, getting to enjoy the rest of his life, enjoy his family. But selfishly, I'm very sad that this era is coming to an end, but I'm I'm really excited for what Coach Autry is going to do. I definitely thought it was going to be GMAC. I'm not going to lie. I thought GMAC was going to get it, but I think Autry is more than capable. But, um, uh, you know, there are a lot of people complaining about the last two seasons not being so great, but why are we complaining about seasons that other schools, half of division one schools really would kill to have? It's because of Jim Beheim. He got us here. He, he got us to the point where the expectation is greatness. So, I mean, I'm just, I was sad when I found out, but also just deeply thankful that I got for the two decades of my life that I got to witness one of the greatest people to ever do it in action in my hometown. I'll see your two decades and raise you two more decades as um, I am quite a bit older and just turned 40 this year. 
And I woke up on Thursday, which was the day after the official announcement, and said to my wife, this is the first day that I have ever woken up and Jim Beheim was not the head coach of Syracuse men's basketball. And regardless of whether I know there were a lot of people that said ready for something fresh and something new and ready for him to move on, because as you mentioned, the struggles last couple of seasons, last handful of seasons, et cetera. But even if you viewed that as good for Syracuse basketball, moving forward, getting a fresh face in there, um, I still think it's it's incredibly surreal because you and I are not nearly alone in the fact that our entire lives, there's only been one coach of Syracuse basketball. There are a lot of people who have that same um, that same sentiment. And, you know, it's it's like you said, it's uh, he was an incredible coach. It was a legendary career and he shaped the love of basketball for a lot of people in the community. Josh, we're going to go to you to get your reaction when you heard the news that he was officially hanging it up. I mean, obviously on this, this show, we've y'all both know all three of you. You said me, you're a, a part of the crew. We've been here long enough. You know, I'm undeniably, unquestionably a Memphis, and I, and I relate all of my sports experience back to Memphis and things like that. And, you know, this, well, me, especially me and Vandy, like we're, we're CBB enthusiasts. No, nobody is saying that Toby Smith is a bad basketball coach. Toby Smith is probably one of the best basketball coaches of the last, you know, two decades in terms of, you know, building the program. But when he came to Memphis, he was immediately ostracized. He struggled to recruit. The program hit record lows in attendance and funding. And for all the good things that Toby Smith did, like, it was immediate, like, the fit wasn't right here. And somebody, it was going to take somebody drastically changing the culture in order to revamp the program. So obviously, we said Penny Hardaway comes in, revitalizes the city. And the thing that I see similar to Penny, I see similar to Coach JB, is the out the impact on the community, like Vanny referring to outside of the court. You know, obviously we know Carmelo Anthony, national championship, four final, two or three final fours. Like we understand the accolade of this man that you can even look up on Wikipedia and things like that, basketball hall of fame, all that type of stuff. But the impact in the community, if you know what I'm saying, not only no, he's not a guy from California or Florida, Texas, that came in and imported a culture with him. This is a guy that had literally spent his entire life in upstate New York. I don't even know how he did that. I don't even know why he did that, to be completely honest. But this is a guy that's loyal and loyal and royal to the soil, and that represents a lot of stuff for people. And I think that when you look at the reception that he's gotten over these, these past five or six years um, that y'all referring to, the less than ideal success on the court – like like Vandy said, there is a reason why people are complaining about 1921 seasons here at Syracuse. Why they're complaining about being a double digit seed, a double dis, a double digit seed going to the NCAA tournament. There are expectations that were in place. Not and you can talk about Carmelo Anthony, but there are 10 decades of success and lineage at Syracuse that had nothing to do with Carmelo Anthony and solely at the hands of, and feet of Jim Beheim. So for me, you know, obviously we've seen the, the quality of basketball hasn't been up to par. But it has been amazing for me to see just the the level of impact um, off the court in the community and um, just overall that he has and how how big a deal it is around here. That is that is something that even I knew coming down the pipeline, even though I know that this whole community is surrounded by basketball, it still amazes me that there's so much outreach, there's so much emotion to um, something that honestly we knew was coming for a long time now. It, you know, to your point about spending his whole life in central New York, uh, there's a, a funny story that that Beheim told 
at um, his at the the press conference that introduced um, Adrian Autry, and that was that back you know shortly after he first got the head coaching job at Syracuse, 1976, I believe it was. He and Rick Pitino were sitting around with their wives and talking about you know if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you want to live? And you know the answers are getting are Paris and Hawaii and these you know amazing places. And then it comes to Jim. And he says, Syracuse, New York. And, you know, they they laughed at him and, you know, how can you say that and whatever else? But that just tells you how much he loves the city, the community, the university, is that 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 was not 35, 40 years into his coaching career. That was year one of his coaching career and how much he loved this place then. And, you know, that showed through for, uh, you know, nearly 50 years. Sammy, your reaction when you heard that uh, Beheim was retiring? It's tailgating season and no one does it better than Hoffman Sausage Company. Beer bratwurst, jalapeno cheddar sausage, kibasi, and bun-length chicken sausage. Add them to the menu with classic German Franks and snappy grillers and fans will go wild. Proudly made in New York since 1879, when you bite into a Hoffman, you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells. Hoffman is a proud partner of Syracuse University Athletics. Awkward. I think it was handled like I understand that it seems like there was an agreement on how to do it, but like it coming from the school, not from Bayheim with his own statement being a press release from the school was weird. And I would say the immediate reaction, there was a lot of emotional reaction, very similar to the way Emily felt, but there was still a lot of people on uh, social media was celebrating the fact that he was gone, um, which didn't sit right with me, even though I was someone who really think it was time to go um, and, t- and time to hang it up in Syracuse because of that 60 year over around 60 year connection he's had to Syracuse um, 47 years at the helm. I think today made up for it a little bit in terms of how weird um, that that initial kind of retirement was, but I'm still kind of, struggling to process like the first like that day it happened and how it was handled by the university and um how it was handled by people on social media and all that reaction and things of that nature um and again like i was someone who really did think i think Bayheim's kind of there there always does come a time when a coach kind of just loses the ability with a, a team a program whatever to achieve the level of success that you wanted to and um, there is a, a right way and a wrong way to handle this. And I think it was actually an article that I saw because Emily shared it on Twitter um, was a reaction from other coaches. Um, Coach K, I believe, being the one that stood out for me. And he was just like, this is not normal. Like, this is weird. And I understand that Coach Beheim, as I previously expected him to, wanted a little bit of a retirement tour, didn't want that. Um, that was the miss uh, expectation of mine. Um, but this was still very abrupt, very quick. So I, I kind of, I just have more questions in terms of what went behind closed doors that we're not going to get answers to. Um, but overall, um, there's really nothing you can take away or from a 47 year career, a, a national champion, multiple final fours, there's every single coach and program in the entire country that hasn't achieved that would kill to achieve that. So he's, uh, he's a walking legend. And uh, yeah, it was pretty surreal that the one year that I'm at Syracuse is the year that he retires. 
yeah, lasting memories and, uh, you know, historic things to, to be around um, for you, for sure. I'm, I'm going to offer a possible explanation as to why everything happened the way it did. Now, he he did provide a little bit of an explanation during the press conference uh, where they introduced Adrian Autry. And he said that, you know, they hadn't had the final discussions with um, Kent Severud and um, John Wildack to make sure everything was as they had agreed and et cetera, that basically this was all planned ahead of time, but they hadn't had the final conversation to say, okay, we're good to go. And everyone's on board. And so he basically didn't want to, you know, sort of break the news right then and there, even though he kind of alluded to it in multiple ways. The other thing I think that I I don't think enough people are discussing or taking into account is what if he just didn't want to deal with it right then? Like he just didn't want to deal with, all of the follow-up questions that are going to come along with you, him saying right then and there, guys, I'm done. This is it. This is my last game. See ya. Because the follow-up questions that are going to happen in that moment are going to be abundant and crazy. And he's not going to just be able to just walk away from that. And perhaps he just didn't want to deal with it. And we know that from, you know, that attending those post-game press conferences are not his favorite thing in the world to do anyway. He wants to coach. That's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to, he deals with the post-game press conferences because it's it's what he has to in order to do the coaching. But it, that clearly was not his favorite part. So I think that could have played into it as well. Um, that said, you know, all of the narratives with the awkwardness and was he forced out and whatever, I think all of those were kind of dismissed by the, the press conference uh, to introduce Adrian Autry there very well, as you said, Sammy could have been other things that went on behind the scenes that we're not privy to. My guess is that probably won't ever get leaked because, you know, the, the parties involved, probably none of them would want that to get out. But either way, he's a legend, as you said, it's been tremendously cool for me to transition from a fan that grew up in the area, went to the dome as a kid. Uh, grew up loving basketball in large part because of Syracuse and because of of the success that was brought by Jim Beheim, and then transitioning to media where I got to attend press conferences. It was a little bit, um, you know, I was a little bit in awe the first time I got to attend a Jim Beheim press conference. It's like that that's Jim Beheim, and you sort of have to, you know, take a step back and say, okay, well, yeah, he's Jim Beheim, he's a legend, but I got a job to do here, so you sort of reset yourself, but. Just thinking back on on the games that I had a chance to cover or attend as a fan, um, I kind of got some rumblings that perhaps this could be it for Jim Beheim going into the regular season finale against Wake Forest. So last minute, bought tickets, took my son, who's uh, seven years old and doesn't fully understand what Jim Beheim and all of that means yet, even though I'm trying to teach him. Uh, but I got to sit in the stands with my son for Bayheim's last game in the dome in the same building that my dad took me to help foster my love for sports. And that moment was amazing for me personally. And I know that there are hundreds or thousands of more people that have similar type experiences. And the reason that that means so much is because of what Jim Bayheim built. Syracuse basketball was a national power for decades because of what Jim Beheim built. And regardless of whether you think he was too mean in press conferences, 
certainly had some moments that we disagreed with and discussed on on this podcast you you have to recognize the greatness that was there and and the legendary status that he absolutely deserved and i think it's a great thing for the university that he's going to continue to work for the school because there's no greater advocate for Syracuse University in Central New York than Jim Beheim, in my opinion. Now, the next part of this is, okay, so Jim Beheim is out. Adrian Autry is in. That was all announced kind of at the same time. So you're not only processing, as Emily said, the emotional um, attachment to the Jim Beheim news, but now you have to process Adrian Autry taking over and what that means for Syracuse basketball moving forward. So we're going to go back in reverse order, right back to you, Sammy, your reaction to Adrian Autry as the guy to take over for Jim Beheim. So my first reaction was uh, back to our conversation was, damn, I think this is what Mike said was going to happen or what he wanted to happen. Um, So that was the first thing that came to mind, but that was my official prediction. Yes, you are correct. So I had a lot of just internal kind of questions of what, what's going to happen now. I feel like that's really what came to my brain immediately after that is in terms of who's going to be here with Autry next year. That was the first thing that came to mind is what's Jerry going to do? Um, what are the players going to do? Are you going to keep Jesse? Uh, and the big bigger question too is who does he want to keep versus who wants to stay with him? There's questions kind of on both sides because I do see a lot of players increasing their likeliness to stay because of him. And I see some players that it might stay unchanged. Um, I do think people were playing way too much into like who was there today and who wasn't in terms of players. I think they were looking for a headline there today. Um, I completely agree. I completely agree. For those unfamiliar, Chris Bell and Benny Williams weren't there. And there are some that thought that, that those are two players that are potential candidates to transfer out. Um, and I think regardless of the coaching situation, that that was a, a a concern for Syracuse fans that those two players could be transferring out. So not seeing them there today, the thought was, oh, my goodness, that means they're definitely gone. However, um, Mike Waters reported of, of Syracuse.com reported that they both had class. And so that's why they weren't here. And just for everyone to be aware, they're still student athletes. And if they're going to transfer somewhere else or if they're going to return to Syracuse, they have to be academically eligible. So, yeah, they had to go to class. And there was initially reported that Judah Mintz was also not there, but he did show up um, like right before it started. Clearly, he was just coming from class. So, you know, we'll we'll take it a little bit easy on that. Sorry to interrupt, Sammy. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. I do think that was helpful to clarify because people might not have seen that on Twitter, especially because at this point over the past like five months, my Twitter has been fully converted to Syracuse. Like it is just all Syracuse athletics, like all the time. A little bit of soccer in there too, but aside from the point. Um, so the, I really just had the question of who does he want to work with and what type of system is he going to run? Because he did say that today that they're going to be carrying on the tradition of um, Syracuse ath- athletics and what Bayheim left behind. And what does that mean? Is that just the t- tradition of greatness that Bayheim left behind? And although it fell off in the last couple of years, you can't argue that there isn't a tradition of greatness at Syracuse basketball. So my question is beyond that, what does he retain? Does he retain the zone? Is he going to like anything along those lines? I just want to know what kind of decisions he's going to make because there is so much change that could happen or so little change that could happen because he's been with Beheim for a little while. 
So there's a, a little bit of limbo, I think, for Syracuse men's basketball until those decisions start to get made, and they won't really get made um, until the NCAA tournament really ends and players are starting to think about where they might want to go, whether it be stay, go, et cetera, um, and those conversations are had. But overall, I think I'm pretty happy with the decision. I think Autry, is, he's more than qualified to do so. I was just very much a flip of a coin, unsure of whether it should be him or Jerry. And now I just really do want to know what Jerry wants to do, because I do think he is ready for a potential head coach. So I'll, I'll make a couple of comments. Um, one, I don't think you were alone in the, was it going to be Autry or, or GMAC? Um, I think both certainly have uh, cases to be made to, to be the guy. And, and Autry is certainly deserving and has um, you know, certainly paid his dues from a coaching perspective. Um as far as the what systems are, is he going to run, he didn't offer a ton of clarity on that. He was asked specifically, are you going to play man or zone? And the word that he used was versatile. He said, we want to be versatile on both ends and do whatever we have to to win the game. So reading into that a little bit, my takeaway was, I don't think that means his zone is totally going away, but I also don't think that that means that they're going to be exclusively zone. So perhaps some changing back and forth depending on circumstances. Uh, Josh, your thoughts on Adrian Autry as Syracuse basketball's new head coach? Um, We should not. I would not allow it to be overlooked that this is a black man stepping into a uh, a power five, you know, head coaching job. A guy that hasn't had any head coaching experience before. Obviously, this circumstance is a lot different and, you know, strong alum tie and whatnot, but let's not overlook that fact, A, which is very important. You know, the Deion Sanders stuff and just other stuff in the – even the Eric uh, Eric me thing, like to see somebody uh, a black man right get this position, especially with Jerry McNamara as a quality candidate with some of the same um, stuff on his resume. And honestly, I would probably say he's more of a fan favorite and known, known in the community. So that was that's a very encouraging to me um, off the media rack. Um, secondly, Sammy says a lot. Sammy's really smart. He said a lot of smart things in that. I will be interested to see whether or not we're going to use this archaic zone or actually convert to a normal man defense like every other team in the country. Um, that'll be interesting. I think that will tell that decision will tell a lot about how much influence JB has on the program and how much of his shadow that uh, Coach Osher will, will continue to live in, whether it's um, voluntary or not. Um, I think that you talked about it, Big Mike, in terms of on the recruiting aspect. You talked to me before about how he's a little bit more active. Um, he was the main guy for Chris and Judah. Um, so yeah, now that there is a thing about will he be able to recruit without the tag Jim Bayham on there? Because so much of the stuff they say we talked about in terms of the legacy here is associated directly with Jim Bayheim. So if you take Jim Bayheim out of that equation, how much of your credibility and um attractability do you lose? So that'll be a big thing in terms of how well can he keep um intact this brand and um especially with the brand falling apart for these past five or six years, can he be a part of the reclamation project or will it be a Patrick Ewing at Georgetown situation where he'll, he won't be able to stop the bleeding at all? But um, outside of those things, the man, the 2-3 zone, I want to see how modernized this, this program comes uh, with him at the helm. But um, yeah, those are the two big things. And of course, Sammy St. Jean with the, on the, hit it on the screws. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see how you know, the, the recruiting aspect you mentioned, um, it, it was Judah and Benny, by the way, that he was primary. Okay. I think I think Griff was the primary on Bell, but I, I could be wrong on that. Uh, but the the recruiting aspect I'm, I'm fascinated by because I'm curious how much he's going to hit the portal. We've seen teams like Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, et cetera, turn around their their program 
in one year from being a bad team to a really good team um, using a lot of transfers. So if Syracuse does have a lot of turnover, if they do lose several of their players, they have an opportunity to bring in experienced guys to fill in some of those gaps. And we know that Beheim used it a little bit, but he didn't want to use it to bring in five, six, seven guys. That wasn't, you know, his his favorite thing uh, to, to do in order to shape a roster. He wanted to build the same way that he had been building, you know, for almost 50 years. So I'm curious to see how much that changes with Coach Autry. I wonder if he would look at the junior college ranks because I feel like with transfers, junior college players get overlooked and they're experienced players who could come in and, and play and make an impact right away. Especially if you're looking for a guy that isn't going to necessarily come in and be a starter, but you're looking for like a sixth or seventh guy, first or second guy off the bench, right? You want a versatile forward who can play either forward spot and give you some quality minutes off the bench. Maybe you get a guy from the junior college ranks that can fill that role. Um, maybe you look at the international market a little bit more on the recruiting trail to get um, some more Jesse Edwards or, or Merrick, Marek Dolajais uh, on the roster who would complain having uh, more Marek Dolajais on the roster. I don't think anybody, any Syracuse fan would, would complain about that. So, you know, very interested to see what that approach is. Uh, Emily, your thoughts on Adrian Autry as the new head coach. Yeah. This Syracuse fan misses Marek Dolajai terribly, but uh, he was great, but yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. He's 100% more than qualified. I expected GMAC, but I'm not surprised that it's Autry, if that makes sense. Like I did expect GMAC, but it also makes sense that it's Autry because he's recruited some of Syracuse's best players. Why would you not want him in that lead role? You know, he recruited Judah. He recruited Benny and you're right. Griff was the primary for Chris Bell. Um, and so they said during the presser today at some point, I don't know who said it, but you know, he's not here to recruit. He's here to coach, but you can't deny that that had to be part of it. You know, coach Autry is so great at recruiting, especially high school kids and having him be there, be the face of your program to attract the top talent. That's really important. But if I could have asked one question, it was the recruiting question. If I could have asked coach Autry one question, it would be, what are you going to do in terms of recruiting? Because college basketball has changed. It's no longer high school to college. Now high school kids can go to the G League. They can go to college. They can do all of these things. But when you're in college, if you don't like where you are, if you're not happy with the coaches, you can leave. So I hope Coach Autry goes to the portal a little bit more. I saw it do incredible things for my alma mater, for Vanderbilt University. I saw the portal completely change the basketball program for the better. And I've seen it happen with so many other programs. So I just, I want to know what he's going to do in terms of recruiting, because it's not like Syracuse is a bad program to play for. You know, you're playing for some of the most loyal college basketball fans in the country. Is it the most appealing place to live? No, but it's a great school. You're getting a great education and you're playing in one of the most historic venues in front of the most loyal fans. It's not a bad place to play. So I just want to see how he's going to approach that, but I think he's going to do a great job. He's been watching and observing during great Bayheim years. He's been soaking it all in. He's been there for a lot of it, and he played for Bayheim too. I don't think he's going to stick to that 2-3 zone as much as, as Coach Bayheim did. I think he's definitely going to modernize it. He said, listen, I'm a new face with new ideas, and I sure hope so because uh, the 2-3 zone doesn't really work against a lot of teams anymore, as we saw. But um I think he's a great, it's a great choice. I'm glad they didn't try an outside hire. I think we had more than enough inside the program and there was no reason to go out searching and potentially, you know, hurt the, hurt the pride of these 
to men who were really the only candidates for it inside Autry and, and McNamara. I, I don't think Griff was ever really in the running, but some people I've talked to disagree. But I think going outside would have done damage to the morale of your coaching staff, and that's not what needed to be done. You had more than enough inside. I'm glad they, st- uh, they kept it inside the program. But I'm really excited to see where he's going to take the program. I have no doubt that he's going to be on a rather short leash his first few years, considering that, you know, he is a new coach following a legend, but I think he's not going to take it lightly. He is more than qualified. He's going to do a great job. I, I think he's a really, really good choice for this position. Yeah. And to comment a little bit on uh, the recruiting aspect of this, it's, you know, I, he's very, very well-respected and has a lot of connections on the recruiting trail. He used to be um, an AAU coach. And so he That's still has good. Yeah, he still got connections to, you know, some of the the big AAU programs. You think of Team Final and Team Takeover and those type of programs that seem to always produce high major talent um that that send multiple players to high major programs. He's got connections to those schools and you know that he's got connections to high school um coaches in the DMV area in New York city where, where he grew up and where he played. And, you know, it's not like he was a slouch as a player. He's still fifth all time in assists at Syracuse. I mean, he was a four year starter McDonald's all American. So he could go to these elite level recruits and say, listen, I was a McDonald's all American. I went to Syracuse. I started for four years. That's who you're playing for. I played 10 seasons overseas professionally, even though I didn't play in the NBA. And I'm still one of the best point guards that's ever played at Syracuse. And so I know what it's like to play here. I know how special it is to play here. And yes, I left, but I came back. And the reason I came back is because of how special it is. He can make those pitches. And I think, um, I think that's going to help. It's, you know, 90% of coaching at the college level is about talent acquisition. You can be as great on X's and O's if you, as you want, but if you don't have the Jimmy's and the Joe's, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't. So, um, you know, it's like Emily said, it's going to be really interesting to see how he approaches roster construction, roster management. And I think maybe we'll get some sneak previews in terms of how, you know, what systems he's going to run or what types of things he wants to do. He did mention wanting to use pace of play as a pitch. So that could mean that Syracuse is going to play an up-tempo style of basketball, which would honestly fit right into what his playing style was. Uh, you know, when he played almost 30 years ago, he was an up-tempo get out and transition type of a point guard. So that could bring some more excitement, some athletes, some dunking and, and some, uh, some fun play into the dome, but that'll do it for episode 71 of the believe in Syracuse podcast for Emily, Josh, and Sammy. I'm Mike McAllister, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.